That movie sucked. I kind of liked it. Movie Night Crew Network. Welcome to the restricted section. It's me, your basilisk. Fuck, that wasn't good at all. It's me, Christina. I'm really bad at this. Welcome to the restricted section. Here we are. Woo. This week, we're going to be talking about the Chamber of Secrets movie. movie. Yeah, oh, great. Movie. I was expecting for there movie. to be like applause yeah, and like and like thunder oh, and like and like air horns. Oh, wait, let me get my air horn app out. I was going to say, you expressly oh, forbade no. her from using an air horn, and now you're telling her to use air horns. I'm just saying consistency, Tina. That's all we need. <laughs> yeah, the mic loves when you do that. <laughs> Andrew, how are you doing today? I am doing fantastic. I'm doing very well. Hell yeah. Mary Clay, Hell how about yeah. you? Oh, oh, oh. Sorry, sorry. No, you're sorry. great. No, you did great. <laughs> Um, I'm doing well. As I was saying before we, we hopped on the, the recording, I, I have a post-election glow doing things I should have been doing the last couple months and contemplating my career trajectory and whether I should get a master's. The answer is no, I'm not going to get my master's because that's a lot of money. But it's nice to, to think about, you know? <laughs> Dream big. And I'm really excited to share that our special guest today is Caitlin Durante, co-host of the Bechdel cast. Caitlin, hello. Hello, thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. We're so excited. We love the Bechdel cast. Oh, and thanks. we love your input on movies, so we're really excited that you're here. Uh, I'll do my best. <laughs> if you could please just tell us a little bit about your very hairy history, like when did you start reading the books? What was it like? Were you a kid? Were you a grown up? Did you maybe read the epilogue first, like Mary Clay I did? did? Whoa, <laughs> that's bananas. Yeah, I did that. I did that. <laughs> um. Arguably, objectively, the worst part of the entire no, canon. I understand. <laughs> I understand. I am an enigma. Um, <laughs> uh, I, w I hadn't read any of the Harry Potter books when Deathly Hallows came out, and it was lying around on the bed of the, the camp that I was at that week, and I was like, well, let me see if Harry lives, at least. <laughs> wow. He, yeah, he does. And then he... Spoiler. And then he just... Yeah, sorry, everyone. Uh, <laughs> And then he said, Daddy! Anyway, um, I my very hairy history is I started reading the books when I was, I think, a young teenager. I believe I was, like, 14. They, they started being published a few years before that, but I... Because the first book was published was a 90-something. Does anyone know? It's anyway, like not important. 90s, I think it was 9, 97, 98, somewhere okay. in there. You're doing Something great. Something like that. <laughs> I think they came out when I was 8, which was a strong 99. Okay. They, I just remember that the, I believe the first three or maybe the first four books already were published by the time I started reading them. Mm -hmm. So I read the first um, three books in two days total because uh, I started and I was just like oh my gosh this magical world that I'm being transported into I can't leave um, it took me a little longer to read the fourth book because it's a million pages long 
but I read that in like five days. And then I was like waiting in real time the rest of the time for the books to be published. And then the movies were coming out like concurrently. And I would see, I've seen all the movies in theaters. I watched the uh, first movie so many times that I can recite the dialogue front to end from memory. And uh, yeah, so that's a very cool fact about me. Um, <laughs> I've read the books multiple times, especially the first four. I, I've read each of those, I think like four or five times. The other books I think I've read twice or three times, depending on which it was. But uh, I would say I'm a pretty, I've, I have stepped away from my fandom a bit, especially ever since J.K. Rowling uh, really started putting her turfdom on display. Uh, but yeah, we I, don't like that either. That was uh, about two months after we decided to start a Harry Potter book club podcast. Ooh, that was great. Super fun. Super fun. Very cool. So feel uh, free to <laughs> refer to her as that bitch or she who must not be named. That helps us cope. <laughs> Yeah, um, Jake, Claire, Voldemort, um, but I still appreciate the, the books and the films. Um, I've also seen the first, I've watched the first two Fantastic Beasts movies and they just keep getting worse and worse. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, those are things. Those, those are, are things. things. Oh, and then the good. cursed. The Cursed Child, um, like, telebook or whatever. It's also a thing. It's the worst <laughs> thing I've ever read in my entire life. But um, anyway, I, I do uh, the Wizarding World of Harry Potter. Speaking of, I've also been to Universal Studios to the Wizarding World of Harry Potter and have enjoyed the rides. But as far as the universe, uh, I am a pretty big fan, I would say. That's awesome. What Hogwarts house are you? Ooh, okay. It's changed a lot in my <laughs> in my life. <laughs> First, I was like, I'm a Gryffindor because Harry's a Gryffindor, and then I was oh, just yeah. like, Oh no, I'm a Ravenclaw because I'm so smart. And now I'm like, No, I'm a Hufflepuff because I have compassion and I care about people and I'm nice. I'm also a sourpuss, so I don't know if I'm like, Am I sort of? I'm like a I'm like a, a, a Hufflepuff. Uh, moon and then like Slytherin <laughs> rising or I don't know how how like um, Zodiac works but it's something like that Slitherpuff Slitherpuff but I want Huffle to become I'm like predominantly Hufflerin yeah that's like when you're that. grumpy and you're just like stomping around you're Hufflerin <laughs> <laughs> right ugh I had a really similar trajectory where I originally thought I was a Gryffindor because, duh, they're the good guys. And then I was like, wait, but I'm brilliant. I'm a Ravenclaw. And then once I became an adult, I was like, no, I'm definitely a Hufflepuff. Come on. <laughs> it's the stoner house and the snacker house. Like, <laughs> like my whole identity. <laughs> All right. So before we get into talking about the film, just a couple of housekeeping things. One, just in case anyone gives a shit, because I do. Rupert Grint just got an Instagram account and he posted his first picture was of his six-month-old daughter Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Daughter? Yes. She's six months old? Yes. I thought she was just newly born. And that's why everyone was posting about it. So did he like, just like, announce it? It's the first released picture of her, I think. And it really is just the back of her bald head. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> I've been um under the opinion that this is the year, this is the time 
to do a secret pregnancy. And if I was in a relationship and I like turned to my husband, and I was like, we've been wanting to have a baby. This is our time, but here's how I want to do it. I want us to get pregnant and we are not going to tell anyone until we have the baby. <laughs> because so, I think that would be the best prank of all time to be like, to just show up at like Thanksgiving and be like, I know we haven't seen anyone in the last <laughs> couple months because of quarantine, but uh, here's your grandkid. <laughs> <laughs> Whitney Cummings actually said the same exact thing. Uh, she was joking. Well, I say joking. I don't think she was talking about how, uh, at the beginning of uh quarantine how now's the time i need to find someone to have a baby with <laughs> it does remind me of like old-timey novels where people get inappropriately impregnated and have to like go go to the country hide away <laughs> and i'm yeah. like how could you do that yeah. won't people notice you're gone conveniently and then you come back and you're just like a that's little um, heavier and sadder now that's one of my favorite jokes in the musical hairspray where the reason tracy is trying out for the show is because the girl who's leaving, they're like, she's going, Brenda's going on a vacation. How long will you be gone, Brenda? And she goes, just nine months. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that's a great, I don't think I've ever seen the play, but that movie is delightful. <laughs> In all the wrong ways, I think. Thank you, John Waters. Okay, my second housekeeping is I just want to know, let everyone know that this Friday, November 20th, is Grace's birthday, our co-host <gasps> Grace. Oh. Please, everyone, send happy birthday wishes through the restricted section social media accounts, and they will get to her. Okay, great. We're so, we love you, Grace. <laughs> I, you listen to Air you horn sounds. Happy birthday, <laughs> Grace. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, let's get into it. I, I feel like there should be a summary here because we start every chapter episode with a summary of what happened. But if y'all don't know the plot of the Chamber of Secrets, go back and listen. That means you haven't listened to any episodes of this podcast until now, nor have you read the books, nor have you seen the movies. So like, literally, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, I don't think so. I, you know, I'm just imagining the like one person on Earth who hasn't had any exposure to Harry Potter yet. And they're like, you know what? My first experience for Harry Potter is going to be I'm going to listen. I'm going to come in halfway through <laughs> several months into this restricted section podcast and listen to this Chamber of Secrets episode. That's going to be my first Harry Potter experience. There's better Harry Potter podcasts to start with. <laughs> just kidding. We're delightful. We're just, you know, some of them get real scholarly with it, let's say. So the Chamber of Secrets movie. Wow. It came out in 2002. It came out exactly one month before the Two Towers. Did you know that, Mary Clay? Um, I didn't know they were, I figured they were around the same, the same year, but, um, uh, I was just so thrown off because I've been doing Two Towers coverage right now and I haven't, I think the last Harry Potter movie I watched was last year and it was Prisoner of Azkaban. So it's been, it's been a while since I've seen Chamber of Secrets and the moment Dobby came on screen, I was like, Gollum, what are you doing here? <laughs> and truthfully truthfully they had to have collaborated because both Gollum and Dobby were so well made for the time and they also still hold up really well today and I'm just like how there's no way that they didn't like send each other notes like hey this program worked great for us how about you guys like oh we found that um this is particularly great for the animation of the eyes like yeah um what is um 
What's that actor's name who plays Gollum? I love him, but I can't remember his name for some Andy reason. Circus. Andy Circus. I, I think my brain is like, it can't be Circus because that <laughs> means something. But it would be funny if he played Dobby too. <laughs> I mean, he's so, he's a chameleon. He's so versatile. He can do anything. I completely agree. So, Mary Clay, you think, so you think the computer graphics for Dobby held up? Yeah, I think pretty well. Um, it's it's been like really interesting. I'm gonna try. You know, maybe I should just get like all of my Lord of the Rings related thoughts out of the way in this Go. like one minute, so you can just <laughs> cut it out. Lord of the Rings minute. No, that's a different podcast. I know. Actually, I know. Anyway, um, so uh, I definitely get so watching Chamber of Secrets. I understand now on my podcast where when I'm talking to people about like the special effects of Lord of the Rings, not usually holding up well and then being like, Oh yeah, I guess I can see what you mean, but I just never really noticed it. Cause I've been, you know, I saw it for the first time when I was younger or in the two thousands and it just wasn't really a big deal then. So I can see what you mean, but they're not that bad for me. And I totally got that watching C- chamber of secrets. Cause there are a lot of effects that they do. Like I remember when Hermione did the, oculus reparo and you see like the little puff of smoke come off his glasses i was like oh that was actually like kind of bad that was like very corny and cheesy looking and it didn't look like a natural effect at all and there are a lot of other moments like that too i think a lot of for me a lot of the magic looked fake Mm -hmm, yeah and also a lot of it was just explosions every spell is just explosions. explosions yeah (sighs) Yeah. Well, when they're doing like the wizard duel, when, like after the attacks start happening, we're like, we're gonna, we gotta, let's not close the school. Let's just teach these kids how to defend themselves. Yeah, let's arm these children. They're like doing, right? They're doing all these spe- like attack spells, but they all produce the same effect, yeah. which is just to blast the opponent backwards. And it's like, what, who, and which- why? I have a major pet peeve with that, too, because one of the spells that they chose to use is Rictus Ambra, however you pronunciate that, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is, like, straight up said to be the tickling charm. Yeah. So they're like, Rictus Ambra, and, like, Draco flies, or uh, Harry flies across the room. It's like, that's a really fucking powerful tickle charm. I don't (laughs) want to be tickled like that. So Harry's the one that hit Draco with that, and that's really that's really flirty. So really, just (laughs) not not as much flirting in the movies as there was in the books. If you ask. (laughs) Um. Okay. Great. I'm always like, okay. It's like, how do I get off the flirting? Okay. Wait. My other last random item is that this movie got an 82 percent on Rotten Tomatoes, which was very funny. I feel like that's really generous. (laughs) I was gonna say that makes sense to me. So. I, I'm pretty sure this movie came out before Rotten Tomatoes was actually, like, a website. What? So really? It, I don't know why it didn't occur to me. Okay, so if yeah. that's the case, then that that's a pure nostalgia rating. That's not people Wait, give me time a, off. give me a fucking second. No, no. I could be wrong No, yet. no. I could be Rotten wrong. Rotten Tomatoes was launched in 1998, four years prior. Jeez. Mm. Indeed. We also covered this on our Movie Night Crew podcast, and I rated it, I think, at, like, a 70 well, we were going out of five. The worst Harry Potter movie, mm-hmm. right? And yeah. Yeah. I would say the worst book, which makes sense. For me, at least, I like this book the least of all of them. Yeah, we, we kind of came to that consensus on um, during our chapter episodes, too. It's like the vibe that we got when we finished the last chapter last week was, I like it better than I thought I would. 
than I remembered liking it, but it still is not, it still is the worst book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, it's as long as Fellowship of the Ring. Mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like, what? A lot more happens. <laughs> what, in, in Chamber of Secrets a lot more happens, or? Yes. <laughs> You're joking, right? Oh no, we're gonna fight the what? battle of the fandom. Did you did you not see the amount of stuff that was still cut from the <laughs> Fellowship of the Ring? Like extended edition is three hours long. No, you're right. I guess and I, even that they still oh, left you, out Tom Bombadil. You're talking about the length of the films. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, sorry. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, when we queued it up, Sean was like, This is certainly the extended edition because it's two hours and forty minutes. And that was not the case. That was not the case at all. <laughs> when also I think Christina, the, the big issue that y'all were having there is you were clearly talking about actual distance traveled, and that train went way further <laughs> than those hobbits got out of the Shire. <laughs> I think I was talking mostly about just in terms of getting story done. <laughs> Chamber of Secrets there's, gets yeah. story done. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of story. There's a lot of plot points. There's a lot of plants and payoffs. There's a, several mm-hmm. red herrings. There's there's Love an awful it. lot of story happening. Yeah, it is a great self-contained mystery. So just to kind of help us with like the organization of our conversation, let's talk a little bit about the time Harry spends at the Dursleys in the borough, and then we can kind of get into like the details of like Hogwarts and stuff. I mean, really, by that I just mean the borough, um, because <laughs> fuck the Dursleys. I mean, we talked a little bit about Dobby. We watched this together. Um, like, we had our fans on our like Discord, and we were all watching it together, so I might mm. occasionally sprinkle some... Um, fan opinions. We were talking about Dobby. Yeah, and I think that the animation, like, kind of held up. I think what ruined it for me was Daniel Radcliffe's, like, not being able to act against nothing a lot of the time. Yeah. I shouldn't have been looking at Daniel, but I kept looking at him. (laughs) I mean, to to be fair, he is, he was a child. So, uh, you know, I give, I give these kids a pass. But, like, real quick, though, throughout the film, though, I was like, wow, Rupert Grant was really good in this, you know, at this age. <laughs> like, he did really good. He, he's been consistently really good and far better than Daniel Radcliffe throughout the entire series of the movies. Because, like, Daniel starts out pretty bad. He gets a little bit better as time goes on. But I'm, I still think that both Emma Watson and Rupert Grant act circles around Daniel Radcliffe. And that's just my bitchy little opinion. (laughs) I agree with you, but I think that it's like a lot of that is because Harry's like a non-character in the movies. He has like nothing. Mm -hmm. He's just like a vessel for the story. Right. Yeah. Yeah. He's nothing but a vessel of emotion. At least from, like, the fourth book on, it's just, like, which emotion is Harry going to be in this scene? In this oh. scene, he's going to be hurt. In this oh, scene, he's going to like be um, angry. In that's like scene, in yeah. Peter Pan. It's They say Tinkerbell's so small, she can only have one emotion at a time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> well, about Dobby, one of our friends in our Discord chat, Charlie, noted that his eyes maybe should have been bigger. And that, to me, was funny because I'm like, oh, yeah, that more golem me. <laughs> 
I think that he was animated well, but like, yeah, looking at him in his setting and like with his surroundings, kind of like, you ha- they really want you to keep looking at him and everything he's doing. They're like, don't look. <laughs> My foundation is blended perfectly. <laughs> Ignore the boy acting behind the screen. <laughs> And then also, just I noted that Dobby doesn't make a really dramatic crack when he disappears in the films, but he does in the books. And I, I really like that. It's, like, so dramatic. And I think it, it like, is a plot point later when he, like, wakes Harry up in the middle of the night, but that's fine. Well, I think that's just because he's apparating. And that's just the general sound the apparition makes. There's a crack. Oh, yeah, you're right. I guess everyone in the books makes a crack when they operate. We just haven't seen it yet, so I forgot. It it does say that different people can kind of do it different, like, loudnesses. Like, the way it, it kind of explains it in the books is the more powerful you are and the more control you have, the, like, quieter your apparition can be. Oh, interesting. Because that, I mean, yeah. imagine your most introverted friend entering a room with, like, a giant crack and everyone, like, <laughs> looks at them. That would be kind of a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like it. I'm like, that's my walk-on song. <laughs> well, also, I am here. <laughs> in the books, tell me if I'm misremembering this, but for some reason I thought it was this. Is it this movie? Or may, no, maybe it's Prisoner of Azkaban where he gets in trouble for using magic outside of school in the books. Does that not happen in this that's book? That's this book. No, that's this oh, book. That's this one, yeah. yeah he gets, this, this, he yeah. gets a letter. So like... Right. The, the dramatic scene with like the pudding and his um, uncle's boss and, and his wife um, in the books, it's exacerbated because immediately after that happens, an owl comes in and drops off a letter telling him that he like did magic in that house. Right. And the, the wife is terrified of all birds. Yeah. Well, it also, <laughs> it does happen again in the third one too. Because right. the third one is when he accidentally blows up on Marge, and that's when he has to take the night bus. And yeah, but he doesn't. Much. He doesn't get in trouble for that. He just thinks he's going to get in trouble for that. I think it's the fifth. Well, let's just keep doing. Let's just keep going down the line. I think it's the fifth <laughs> one where they try to really fuck him. That's the one where he has to go to court because yeah. they're trying yeah. to get him in trouble. Yeah. And no, so, right, he thinks he's going to get in trouble in the third book because he did get in trouble in this one. That's okay. Yeah. That's yeah. so I'm, I am remembering. This yeah, right. but then they're just happy he's alive because there's a murderer. <laughs> right? They're like, oh, thank goodness, serious black didn't get to you. But um, so in this movie, so they leave that out of the movie because I had this whole spiel that I was like writing in my notes before I realized that they completely cut this out of the movie. But like <laughs> in the book. He gets in trouble, but it makes me think, okay, so they detect magic happening at the Dursley house. It was Dobby's magic, not Harry's magic, but Harry gets in trouble for it anyway, which makes me think, okay, does this wizarding system of magical detection of, like, underage wizards, are they not able to tell who the magic is coming from? But that doesn't make any sense because, like, in a, like, household of like an entire magical family, you're going to have the parents doing magic with like the kids around, not at school. How are they going to tell who's doing what magic? Yeah. We've definitely explored this clear world building fallacy um, (laughs) in the the chapter where it came up. We always try to find the best possible explanation, even if it's not very satisfying. So (laughs) we decided that it's like, they flag houses where underage wizards are living without parents, and then they just trust wizarding parents to monitor their own children. That makes sense. And um, I also think, like, building on that, you have, like, 
at the Malfoy household, they probably, don't, you know, let Draco do whatever he wants. Yeah. He can practice his magic. He can fly his Nimbus 2001s, you know, yeah, whatever. Just like any other thing that you're jealous of your friends with cooler parents, you know, yeah, like, he but, gets uh, to stay out till midnight. Yeah, yeah but I think the, he could have just stopped that sentence that they let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think that Malfoy, when he was a kid, had, like, a governess or something? Like a nanny? <laughs> a nanny, that's the word when you're not no. in the sound of music. <laughs> no, you know, what, you know what Malfoy would have had? He would have had, like, either Crab or Goyle. And help me with this, Tina. You're going to know what this uh, phrase is. The, is, it the, is it a whipping boy? Is it the, uh, that what it's called when, like, the lordling, lordling will have a yeah. commoner or friend that's, like, always punished for him? Yeah. That's what Malfoy had. Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> this is getting dark. Okay, well, cool. So then Harry goes to the burrow, which is, like, that's one of those places where, like, reading about it is really nice, but the way that they rendered it in the films is, like, so nice, oh, I love you know? It. Mm-hmm. All the details, because one sweeping shot of film can tell you so much more than, like, just, like, a quick paragraph in a book. It really created a vibe. It's got, like, low ceilings. Everything's made of wood. There's things knitting. Yeah. A dish is washing itself just repeatedly. It's already clean by now, but it's like, well, we figured out this practical effect and we don't know what else. (laughs) So it's just going to be continuously washing itself. Yeah. At the um, WB, it's not the Wizarding World because that's the theme park, but it's the like exhibit thing that they have in London for Harry Potter. Um, Harry Potter Studios, I think is what it is. They have like a whole, it's really cool. I would recommend it if you're in London. Um, I would really recommend going to visit because it's just, it's, they have like every little detail explained and there are a lot of interactive parts. It's just really awesome. Um, and there's this whole section where they have the burrow and they have these like machines that they built for the, this scene. And you like go over and you like swipe your hand over a, touchpad or whatever and it'll activate like the knitting needles or the carrot chopping itself and then the the wash pan in the background that's so cool Mm -hmm. yeah also on the burrow growing up my family would always go all the time we would always go where have you been (laughs) (laughs) have you guys been seeing those like hashtag pictures you can hear going around Facebook. (laughs) I think that's like, I'm in a lot of Harry Potter Facebook groups and I've seen that one pop up a lot. And I'm like, I think that's the best one. Like you can hear that picture. Mm -hmm. Also shout out to Julie Walters who plays Mrs. Weasley and who plays Mrs. Bird in Paddington, which is my favorite (laughs) movie. (laughs) Is that a Paddington I see on your shelf behind you? It is. Thank you for noticing. (laughs) Sometimes you can see that. It's very dark. Yeah, I have a a bad stuffed Paddington doll bear toy. Doll bear toy. (laughs) Prominently displayed, yes. Emotional support buddy. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I mentioned this. uh, I know I mentioned it at least to the room. I might have said it on Discord when we were watching it together. But the one thing that I was always really annoyed that wasn't in the movie was the gnomes. Because in, yeah. in the video game, it yeah. oh, came out the before the movie did. Because it would always release the video games before the movies to get hype. And uh, in the video game, it was like a big part of it was denoming the yard. It just really, like, that kind of a task really lends itself to a video game. Exactly. And, like, and, yeah. 
I, I was so ready to see Harry Dino Mayard, and then it never came up, and I was so disappointed as a child. <laughs> There's also a really great illustration of that scene in the books, just flinging it. It's one of that's one of those details that I understand we have to lose for the movies, but it just is such good world building. Mm-hmm. I remember um, playing that video game, and I never got past the denoming part because I was pretty young when that game came out, and so the denoming part, like. It didn't scare me, but it, like, made me really nervous and anxious because if you didn't grab the gnome fast enough, it would, like, bite you and, like, your character (laughs) would, like, lose health points or something. So it made me really, like, nervous and anxious trying to play it. And so I just never played the video game to get past that level. That's terrifying. Yeah. (laughs) So here's a fun note that I realized about when our time spent at the borough. This movie passes the Bechdel test several times, and the first time that it happens is in the burrow. And I wrote down the dialogue because it made me laugh so hard that I almost pissed myself. Okay, the movie, <laughs> the movie passes the Bechdel test with the following exchange. Okay, Ginny asks Molly where her jumper is, and Molly says it's on the cat. Oh, and it's a brilliant line read because it's just, she's saying it so just nonchalant. Like, didn't you look there? Yeah. Oh, it's on the cat. And then you're just (laughs) like, but there's that. And then the other best joke of the movie is when Hagrid, like Ron is barfing up slugs and Hagrid is like, oh, you need a specialist equipment for this. And then he just hands him a bucket to barf into, and it's amazing comedy. But yeah, the cat, the jumper on the cat is brilliant. I love it. I feel like I've never noticed that line before, because I was like, what the fuck did you just say? (laughs) See, growing up, I just assumed that, oh, the cat is just like a British term for like, it's on the chair, it's on the dresser, it's on, (laughs) you know, whatever. Because they call, because they call sweat, she calls her sweater her a jumper. So Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, obviously, a cat is, you know, uh, is a British term for something that I don't know. That's fine. Yeah. And like a jumper to me when I was a kid was like a, like a pinafore type dress. Y'all know? know Oh, yeah. Uh uh Gals, do we know what I mean? Yes. (laughs) Like a overall dress. Yeah. Like that's a jumper. Mm -hmm. So So really the American English language is nonsense. But when you said a pinafore whatever came after that, I immediately thought the USS Pinafore, and I was, like, thinking 1800s British. Like, oh. <laughs> a Pinafore like, is just, like, a type of name? dress. Don't even, don't even worry about it. Um, okay. our, our friend Charlie did say that there's a, a fan theory that the cat is, like, a hook. There's, like, apparently a hook in the burrow that looks like a cat, but I don't like that. I want it to be on the cat. I it's, want the cat to be in yeah. the jumper. Sitting on top of Crookshanks. <laughs> yeah. We don't have yet, but whatever. So, then we go to Hogwarts, gang. Well, um, hang on, real quick, want to give love to Arthur Weasley, because he sits down, and he looks at Harry and goes, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> and then when she, when Molly is like, your son blew that enchanted car of yours, just sorry, I'm back last night. Did you really? How'd it go, boys? <laughs> Man, all the adult actors in these films are so, so fucking good. good. Yeah. Well, so, it's rather I, unfortunate in a way because you've got like literally the best actors and actresses that England has to offer, and then a bunch of children that are in the main roles. So it's you have just, these supporting characters that are doing. And these then you have yeah. Kenneth, 
Meanwhile, yeah. you have Kenneth Branagh oh come God, in for yeah. Lockhart. It's and, funny oh because gosh. all of these really excellent adult actors, this was absolutely my first introduction to them. So when I first saw these movies when I was 10, I was like, who the frick are you guys? Well, you're obviously Severus Snape. And now that I'm an adult, I like know all of these actors from other places and nah. so i'm like you really just did this for the kids for the love of the game like you really just wanted to be a part of something special <laughs> i mean alan rickman will always be snape in my mind uh i almost said judy dench not her uh, uh maggie smith will always be mcgonagall yo um, kenneth judy dench, will be lockhart judy dench for me is seared into my brain as what the fucker face from cats, dude. I cannot oh. not see Judy Dench oh, as a cat now. <laughs> Yo, Deuteronomy! <laughs> dude. How could you? Oh, How man. could you? <laughs> I can't. Oh, and then um Jason Isaacs as Lucius Malfoy Ooh. is so good. And another moment oh. where I was like, Legolas? <laughs> Wait, I'm gonna look up when the heck did the Jeremy Sumter, Jeremy Sumter Peter Pan. Um, oh yeah, because he's also Jason. That was two thousand three. So, so my poor little creepy best self got hit with Daddy Malfoy, and then the next year with Peter Pan. <laughs> <laughs> well, going back to Alan Rickman, I I absolutely love Alan Rickman for many reasons, but the trifecta of roles between Die Hard, Harry Potter, and then Love Actually are just like the three most ridiculously separate characters. <laughs> I absolutely mm. love it, and I it's like I still see him actually. as. I know other people on this podcast have differing opinions, and that's okay. We're all entitled to opinions. That was to make them, you know, so great is that we can all keep them both in closed storage chest. Did you show me that movie? Yes. Um, great. I showed it to you, but it's not the it's not the uh, Richard Curtis movie that I showed you, and then accidentally shushed you during. That was Notting Hill. Oh, oh, yeah, we got into a fight because you shushed me. I didn't mean to shush you, but I shushed you. Wow, (laughs) silencing women. How could you? (laughs) Well, I probably was talking in the middle of his movie, like, this is so stupid. Because I did not like that movie. (laughs) Okay. Wait, I did skip Diagon Alley, and my only note about Diagon Alley is that Harry Potter's turtleneck in this scene was also part of my 12 year old sexual awakening. (laughs) (laughs) What? Everyone looks good in a turtleneck, babe. He looks so good in oh his sweater. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, it's something that I didn't like remember when we were doing our Halloween spooky episode. Mm-hmm. But um, when he it, it when was Harry's called Scary in, Potter. Oh, okay, sorry. Huh? Um, when uh, Harry's in Borgen and Burke, and then he like reaches for the hand and it closes down on him. There were several years where literally every time that scared me. It was a like huge jump scare for me. <laughs> it's very startling. Everything that happens in Nocturne Alley is very funny to me just because it's so cartoonishly evil. It's just yeah. like, oh, there's all these bad wizards in the world and they all congregate here in Nocturne Alley and yeah. everyone's spooky. And it's also like, parallel the next block over to die it's so close <laughs> to your good wizards but these bad wizards all these like Voldemort like the following down. like it's right it's just, it's just like <laughs> everyone who was a Slytherin when they went to Hogwarts just like lives here now and it's just like so cartoonishly evil yeah I when we were watching this during our watch along I wrote in our chat um they're like witches and then I was like I mean the Sanderson sisters kind, because obviously. Yeah. But they are like 
like I smell a child. Right. It's like I'll get you, my pretty, and your little dog too. It's like, are you joking me right now? Are, are you about to speak in rhyme about Scottish kings to me? Like, what the hell is going on here? It's better than if you'll remember in the books, Harry encounters a witch with a tray full of toenails i think yes yes and hagrid knocks them out of her hand so i'm glad we didn't have to see that because that would have upset me same that would have been the most dangerous practical effect because one of those toenails would have (laughs) gone in someone's eye (laughs) oh my god like bam oh man and and then it's it's some intern's job to sweep up the toenails after every (laughs) sweep and count one two three four (laughs) All right, well, are we ready to go to Hogwarts? Woo! Yeah, we're just going to take a, a nice, relaxing train ride, right? Yeah, that's yeah, that, for that's sure. Dumb boys. Literally, like, every single reread or rewatch, I, when I was eight, I was like, obviously, this is the only answer. They have to steal the cart. They got to get to school. Like, this is important. <laughs> it's their education. And now here I am, and I'm, like, 30, and I'm like, wow, they are so fucking stupid. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Is it a good decision? No. Is it the decision that every 12-year-old boy would make if they had access to a flying car? Yes. Very much so. <laughs> and um, you gotta just fly there, right? <laughs> and uh, I'll also, I've said it before and I'll say it again. There's a reason Harry and Ron are not in Ravenclaw. Mm. Yeah, it's funny because later in this movie, spoiler alert, Hermione gets petrified and the boys have to do a lot of problem solving without her and it's like a nightmare. They're very bad at it. Oh, they're so bad. I kind of just realized that this absolutely would never have happened if Hermione had also gotten trapped. She would have been like, I will go walk over to this payphone and like get to the bottom of this. Like, we're not going to take the fucking car. My, I also have a follow-up question, which is, how did these boys, like, know? Because I say this as someone who, like, can't freaking go to, like, Trader Joe's without having to use my GPS on my phone. How did they figure out, like, not only how like how to get there, but, like, even just, like, north, south, east, west? I think they were following, they? The, following the, train the train the whole time. Go- well, no, they were, but they had to have gotten out of London. They didn't see the train going anywhere. Until later, they didn't find the right railroads. Uh, you know, yeah, how did no, they I even know, like, what direction to go and how I, were they like, oh, you know what? This magical school that doesn't exist on a map, it's that way. Take well, a left. I think Hogwarts is indisputably north of London. Yeah. So general north would have been a good move. But I, I am with you where I think they for sure would have gotten separated from the train and not been able to figure it out after that. Yeah. Especially, aren't they flying kind of like, above the clouds for a while like yeah. they're not yeah i have i have two problems with the car oh only scenario. two just two <laughs> well, that's probably it. more but here's two to start and we have to backtrack a little bit for the first one where they we get the the plant the setup of the car when ron and his two twin brothers show up at the dursley house and are like here Harry, we're here to rescue you. And it's like, how did you know that Harry needed rescuing? Because you hadn't corresponded with him. You don't know what's happening. Like, why? Because it it very conveniently happens right after Harry gets, like, bolted away into his room, like a prison cell. And then he's like, we're here to rescue you. And it's like, that doesn't track. How do you you know that? It's a leap for sure. 
is a big leap. And then the second issue I have with the car is it, it, so it has an invisibility booster, right? It makes it, there's like a button that you can press and it turns the car invisible. Very nice, very convenient. However, if, and maybe I'm wrong about this as well, but from my understanding, the world building of Harry Potter is such that invisibility is like a very rare and difficult to achieve thing a skit like it's a skit like there's one invisibility cloak and harry has it there's like there's it's really hard to become invisible there's like not that really many spells so like how does this like random car have this invisibility ability i don't think invisible ability ability i can actually answer that one okay okay Um, please so to achieve invisibility is not difficult to achieve a something that has the permanent ability of invisibility is what's difficult. So, like, there are I a bunch see. of invisibility cloaks. Harry has the only cloak of invisibility. The difference being the semantic that, like, it will never lose its power. It will never grow old. It so will, here, uh, it's a let, concealment. Let me explain what you're trying to yeah. say. But okay, so Harry's invisibility cloak is inherently invisible. Other invisibility okay. cloaks are cloaks that are like charmed with invisibility charms. Okay. Yeah. It, and it, I think it, that the car yeah. would also have to have an invisibility the, charm it, in it, it well, somehow. It probably has a disillusionment charm. Yeah. The one that, uh, remember uh, it, when Shacklebolt yeah. uses it and he says it feels like an egg dripping down his head? Mm-hmm. Um, that, but so that's that, more of like a chameleon type thing. Well, and that's, the, that's the way it's described in the book. Yeah. So it's more of the chameleon. So that, once again, that's what it would be is that not like, not. Like I said, invisibility in theory is easy. It's it's like, but the thing is that it's not like a permanent solution. So you can't just hit it and automatically it's going to be fine every time. It has to have okay. a power I think it's important to remember that this car was deeply illegal, and yeah. I don't think <laughs> I don't think it could ever have been coming. Yeah. I think there's no way mm. to make a flying car invisible enough. Sure. That the Ministry of Magic would be like, yeah, fly that thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes yeah. sense that it like it stops working. Like mm-hmm. the invisibility component of it is like, no, I'm tired. The invisibility yeah. boosters faulty. Some of their line reads in this are just so bad. It's I cannot. I love it. Uh, I love when uh, <laughs> Harry's hanging out the out of, out of the car and he goes, your head's all sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> That's such like a friend. I feel like that's also, genuine friendship. Why would Ron not just? He's literally he's like tilting Tilt the car the down, car. tilting I, I the know. other way. You know, there's a lot of like movie drama that I was clocking in this movie that makes no sense. Okay, one that really drives me crazy. This is a lot later when they're in Lockhart's class and he brings out the pixies and they, uh, they start tearing apart the room. The very first thing that happens is Hermione sweeps all her books off her desk yes and i'm like why the fuck are you doing that well hang on i thought you were going to point out like what does lockhart think is going to happen when he because he <laughs> he opens the cage and it's like immediately like oh no and then fails to do anything and then runs away so like what did he think was going to be accomplished because he also doesn't so he doesn't funny. give them any spells or like a lesson to be like okay we're gonna try this peck Pesky pixie pesteroni, whatever pepperoni. It's pester. It's pesteroni. Pes- it's pester. No me. It's like the least su- pester. Okay. No pesky me. Pesky like that's pesteroni. what it is. <laughs> like you're trying to like speak in Spanish to in English to a Spanish <laughs> yes. speaker. 
in, so when you're bad. in Mexico or whatever. Yeah. Like, what did he think was going to happen? You know? He, he, I guarantee you, he genuinely thought that it would work. I, like, I guarantee you at some point in his life, knowing Lockhart as I do, at some point in his life, he heard this spell and was like, anti-pixie spell, got it. Later on, he's like, I know, pixies, haha. And then he's like trying to use it, and of course it doesn't work. As a reminder, we did a Behind the Magical Bastards episode about Gilderoy Lockhart on our Patreon account where Andrew really dives in to um, exactly <laughs> just everything you've ever wondered about Lockhart. There are answers. So if you're interested in that, please sign up for our Patreon. Well, speaking, of, okay, let me just go on a tangent about Gilderoy here because he's he's supposed to be this like really dashing, handsome wizard who all the ladies because everyone's straight except for Dumbledore which we never <laughs> learn in the canon but anyway so like all the women and all the girls are like oh my god he's so hot um no disrespect to Kenneth Branagh but like are you sure really what? like I thought I mean I don't know I think he I think he comes off as very charming in the role and I think that's Gilderoy's allure to he's very charming and very charismatic and i i mean i think he's handsome i think he's cute i think you know i think 13 year old me would have swooned i think there's like there's like tiers of like literature people and it's like the top tier literature critics including brooke and some maybe you can i don't want to put words in your mouth but some people really think that kenneth brada like thinks he's more than he is Brooke said, I, I don't like him because of what he did to Shakespeare. And I, and I am like one tier down from that where I'm like, I love him because he helped me understand Shakespeare. You know, <laughs> you mean with his uh, his rendition of Much Ado About Nothing? I love that movie so much. It's like my favorite. I love that Keanu Reeves is inexplicably in that movie. It's, he's, he's Denzel Washington's brother. <laughs> Incredible. Um, yeah, I cannot say that I've really ever liked anything that Kenneth Branagh has done. I don't even think I'm saying his name right. Sorry, oh, everyone. I, it's French. It's, I know it's not French. I'm an idiot. It's British. <laughs> I have zero idea how to say his last name. It's like Branagh. So I just kind of, I, I like slur my voice towards the end. Is it supposed <laughs> to be like um like rough Scottish like you just did? I'm Andrew? pretty sure it's Scottish. I'm pretty sure it is. Branagh. It's either, I, I think it's either Irish or uh, Scottish. Okay, do you want to hear? We have a series of fan castings for Gilderoy Lockhart if we were to choose someone else to play the role. Our top two are Jack Black was the runner up. (laughs) We like. It was my pick. We like a fat Lockhart. And our winner of who we think should play Gilderoy Lockhart is Matt Berry, um, the actor from What We Do in the Shadows. Wait, wait, I'm gonna have to Not the Broadway person. actor. I know there's a Broadway actor named Matt Berry. It's a Oh from um the show. Not yes, the movie. from, from oh. the show, not the movie. He's the one who's like, I've sculpted this topiary of my mother's vagina. Right, 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 right. <laughs> I just I don't maybe again, forgive me for all the misremembering I'm probably doing, but I thought in the books they they describe Lockhart as being like just jaw-droppingly yeah. handsome. And I feel yeah. like there's a difference, like, these people are charming, but I wouldn't necessarily classify any of them as, like, classically traditionally 
handsome? Maybe almost like a dopey, like, Chris Evans. I was gonna say either Chris Evans or, you know what, Chris Pine. Uh, yeah, oh, Chris Pine. Sure. Chris it really Pine, hit that dopey factor. <laughs> whenever I... Princess Diaries 2 Royal Engagement is... <laughs> yes! <laughs> fantastic movie. It's so good! And, and Chris Pine is just so... Dre- <laughs> he's just so dreamy. Oh, I love it. I'd love to see it. And he is, he's got that, you know, classic Hollywood handsomeness thing that we, but he would, he would have not been the right age. He still isn't quite the right age. Yeah. I think I would rather, I think I'd rather see a Lockhart who can act like he thinks he's really handsome than a Lockhart who is actually genuinely very handsome. Well, and for what it's worth, like, obviously I, I am a straight guy, so I'm like the worst person to answer this question. Everyone's but, a little bit gay, dude. Just <laughs> step up but, to uh, the plate. I, like, I think from my perspective, what they were probably trying to do is twofold. First of all, it's a kid's movie and it really wouldn't be okay if you had like a ridiculously over the top handsome guy that all of the, like all of the teenage girls were like being incredibly like, Oh yeah. He has to be kind of like daddish. Yeah. You got to make him daddish. And Mm. then the other part of it too, is they probably, that that's probably part of the joke for like that they're aiming at the parents is that because there's no one who you can choose that literally every person is going to have that same reaction of like, they're the most amazingly attractive person in the world. Um, I don't know, man. Jason Momoa is pretty fucking hot. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, withdrawn. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. And the end. Here's well, my dream okay. casting for, for who should have played Gilderoy Lockhart. Hugh Grant, because mm. we know he can do kind of a, like a dopey, especially if he's like sort of doing his character from Paddington 2. He's also <laughs> got like a handsome factorness that is necessary. He's also charming. Like, I think... Charmingly that's, befuddled. Mm-hmm. That's my casting. I like it. I can dig that. Yeah. Hit us up with your fan castings of Gilderoy Lockhart. I know we've talked about it, but we've raised some new points, and I, <laughs> I want to hear. I want to get this right. I want to get it right. I think the rest of the movie is cast perfectly. I think Kenneth Brana does a really good job. You can tell he's having a great time the whole time, and that's mm. fun to watch. Yeah. And he really, do- he like really embodies like the bravado for absolutely no fucking reason. Sure. Maybe he's channeling that from his professional career. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but he I'd really, like think so. he owns it. He wears those clothes, those waistcoats. He really wears them. I love the moment where he tosses his cloak into the crowd at the dueling <laughs> club and all, and it's, it's not like the little girls. It's like the 16, 17 year old girls who grab the cloak and are like, Oh my God. Because. <laughs> I, like, 100% could imagine myself doing that, too, if I was, you know, a student (laughs) at that age. Well, while we're talking about the thirst factor of (laughs) wishing we were thirstier for Gilderoy Lockhart, I wrote a thirst list for this movie. (laughs) As an adult, my list starts with Lucius Malfoy, because he's an adult. Um, Daddy Malfoy (laughs) is really hot. He... Ooh. brings the dramatic fashion in this movie. Oh he has a gosh. he has a funny hat during the Quidditch game. He keeps his wand <laughs> yes. and his cane that he doesn't need to walk. He just has a cane because it's dramatic. Mm-hmm. There's a scene where he has a ponytail with a big bow. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I 
was just like losing my mind over how you know o- overly dramatic he is in the scene when they're in the bookshop and he pulls he like drags Harry over to him and uses the top of his cane to push aside his hair <laughs> so that he can like and he's like stroking his forehead like with the snake part of the cane and I'm just like, Lucius, bro, like, what is up with you? <laughs> I think, okay, that's like the thing with these movies is the children are always underacting. The children are always just standing there like, what? What voice? Where? What did you do? What's going on? And the adults are like, I think they're really just having fun. He's like, uh, what if I use yeah. my fucking cane? <laughs> I think it was, pr- it's also probably a mixture of, da- imagine you are 12 year old Daniel Radcliffe and you're around all of these amazing, like veteran actors, very distinguished, very famous in, especially in British film in that world. And then Jason Isaacs pulls you close to you and brushes your hair aside with his, with <laughs> his cane. Your instinct isn't going to be like, oh, I should act like that's weird. Your instinct is probably going to be like, Jason Isaacs knows what he's doing. <laughs> so I trust I'm in good hands right now. You know, like, <laughs> okay, to continue my thirst list. Tom Marvolo Riddle. Oh, yes. Oh, my gosh. That actor, I would like to reiterate, was 24 years old when he filmed this role. So yes. it's fine. We're safe. Yeah, I, Christina, yeah. really quick, that, that thing you were saying about uh, everyone's a little gay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Those, his cheekbones the are cheekbones. so good. What the fuck? Yeah. His name is Chris. I had looked it up because I was like, ooh, who is this person? Is he still acting? Is he still hot? The answer yeah. is yes to everything. Um, his name is Chris- <laughs> Christian Coulson. He is, he's like in his 40s now. He's extremely hot still. Uh, I haven't really seen him in other things, although like his list of credits are things I've seen. So I think he must mostly just do kind of like pretty minor roles and stuff. But he's like, you're, you're like leading man handsome. Yeah, he's sir. pretty hot. He's pretty hot for a grown ass man. <laughs> um, while we're while we're on the subject of of young Tom, so I have all of these memories of like certain moments or lines that stick out in my mind from my childhood, and one of them is when he's in, they're in the chamber and he goes very much alive. <laughs> and I've never been able to like place my finger on it, but I finally did it this viewing around. And it's like he's channeling Alan Rickman in that moment. Oh, indeed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. With that line delivery, Alan Rickman takes him aside. is like, buddy, I I know you're trying to play evil. (laughs) Let me give you some recommendations. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. One slither into another. Here's how you do it. (laughs) There's one line that I just, there's a couple lines that I really wish had made it. They, they take stuff out and keep it, to keep the films tidy and straightforward but you really lose a lot i mean i preach to the choir y'all know but i really miss in the books when they're fighting in the chamber of secrets and fox shows up <laughs> they're both just like looking at him because they're like what is this bird doing here for like for like a full minute they're like what the fuck is this bird doing here and then tom riddle says to business, Harry. And I just... <laughs> I wanted that. I wanted that. And then the other line that I just so want- wished was in the movie... I think Mary Clay, we were talking about this on the chapter episode. 
when Harry and Ron are trying to get into the Chamber of Secrets in the books, and he's like, he's like, open! And Ron's like, mm, that was English. <laughs> so fucking funny. It would have been so good, because he says in the movie, there's this very dramatic lead-up to them realizing that, like, oh, this is the chamber, this is the entrance, this is the opening. Um, and then there's this dramatic music swelling, and Ron is like, go on, say something in Parseltongue. I think it would have been so great if you, like, zoom in on Harry, he says, open, and then the dramatic music music cuts out, and then Ron's like, that was English, bud. <laughs> try, try again. <laughs> it would have been so fast. That's, like, an- another, like, 10, 15 seconds of the movie. They should have done it. Yeah, definitely. Oh, man. Um, oh, and then also speaking of a 10 to 15 seconds of the movie that was cut is the infamous <laughs> scene where Harry is sitting like on the opposite end of the lake as Hogwarts and Hedwig is next to him. And this is extended edition. And he and, and he goes, who am I, Hedwig? What am I? <laughs> really gotta spoon feed it to these children viewing this movie they're like oh they're these idiots he's wondering who he is okay it's so dumb <laughs> oh my god there's another like very expository line that may, that is in the, the movie Tom Riddle at the end is like well n- just because your bird has pecked out my snake's eyeballs doesn't mean that it can't still kill you and it's like yeah we saw that happen bro and it's like, <laughs> i guess there's like five-year-olds who like don't i just like don't know what's happening i guess i don't know oh man i know i've mentioned it a lot of times but the child acting in this movie is so bad during the, when the basilisk eyes are getting picked out and dana radcliffe is just completely prone on the ground not moving at all watching the shadow of what's happening like what oh <laughs> Okay, so question. So we know that the basilisk petrifies people who don't have a direct eye contact with him. And this occurs to me when Harry trips in his glass, which I always thought they do this in the movies like a couple times where they give Harry like a Velma from Scooby-Doo moment where he's like, my glasses, I can't see without my glasses. And And he trips and falls and his glasses fall off. Would he be petrified or killed if he were to look at the basilisk without his glasses on? Yeah, we've kind cool. of we've kind of done this. Yeah. Oh, um, okay, then never mind. We, we just I will, we I don't will, know I'll the leave. answer. To, no, it's fine. It's fine. The answer is Moaning Myrtle died with her glasses on, so I think it's not looking through something as much as it is the image being distorted. So I think. Yeah. I would if I were no, around no. the basilisk, I would take my glasses off. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, because then I would not simply would not physically be able to see it. <laughs> but my it vision's not like awful. Right well, then like, I could see it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. For what it's worth, there's a lot of drama, a lot of bird box drama, um, in the books of Harry running around with his eyes closed in the Chamber of Secrets. And in the films, his eyes are wide fucking open the whole time. <laughs> Again, wow. he's not a Ravenclaw, you know? No. <laughs> Very much no. Okay. <laughs> Speaking of Ravenclaws, um, okay, I just saw Penelope Clearwater in my notes. So this is a terrible segue into me talking about... Okay, I mentioned earlier, we all know, when you turn a book into a movie, you have to lose a lot of subtleties and a lot of, like, tertiary and, like, whatever is even... Ne- 
even quadrary. more quadrary characters. <laughs> um, you have to lose a lot of outlier characters. And the, the shitty thing with this book series is that when you start collapsing in all these side characters, they're, they're mostly women and people of color. Mm-hmm. So it's like the books feel a lot more diverse than the films because we lose... Penelope Clearwater, who's like a total, she doesn't get any dialogue really. She gets one line in the books, but she's like a total entity. They, she does, they erase her from the movie. She gets petrified at the same time as Hermione in the books, but she's a non entity. The whole side thing with Percy hooking up with Penelope doesn't even happen in the movies, which RIP, that was a great, (laughs) great side shenanigan. There's Lee Jordan, right? We get to see his Quidditch commentary, but we don't know who he is. We don't care about him. There's the whole rest of the Quidditch team, which includes people of color and women. Yeah, a woman of color in sports. Kitty Bell and uh, Alicia Alicia. Way to go. Yeah, so it's just, like, sad that when you collapse all these things, it just, it takes away a lot of our representation that we get in the books. Dean Thomas, I don't think, appears for one fucking second in this movie. But Christina, Um, we need to see more white men. (laughs) <laughs> Shut the fuck up. And then I and then have the so was, few role models. The thi- the, so it's like, yeah, we we're left with Hermione, our female main character. But it's it's so frustrating because they make her so insufferable in these first couple films. Mm-hmm. They give her every smart line. She takes. We've talked about this before in the film. She takes all of Ron's emotional and intellectual dialogue including dialogue that's at the intersection of that like in the books ron gives this really heartfelt speech not a speech but like he talks about what is a mudblood when he's like barfing slugs he's like it's a really gross word he's he has like this history to put behind it he really cares about his friend hermione like he really gets it and she just steals it from him and so they just make her into this like this like infallible character to the point where they had to put her out so that there was some <laughs> challenge to them getting to the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. I just it disappoints me that that happened. It feels to me like she I don't know how much this applies, but I think you could make the argument that she is like sometimes kind of like a Mary Sue mm-hmm. character because she comes in, she knows everything, she like is good at everything. She's just like the smartest person and she just like knows all the spells and like no, just and right but that, and then I was like oh but then they like sideline her for the entire climax of the movie I guess they sideline Ron too because he's just like I'm trapped behind some rocks with a guy that doesn't have his memory anymore but it so of course like I guess Harry has to like go on and like always has to go on alone <laughs> be the triumphant for the, for the love of God make him go on alone <laughs> maybe that's why I like Prisoner of Azkaban so much because the trio endures the entirety of yeah. the of the climax together Ron gets sidelined at the very end <laughs> but they go through it together yeah. I, I think you like the reason you like Azkaban more is because it's a better book. Oh, it's better book. So it's just and better in every way. We've mentioned that my husband may or may not be exactly the same character as Professor Lupin. Is he a werewolf? <laughs> I don't know. Whoa. But he definitely is a tender, quiet academic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the Prisoner of Azkaban is my favorite book by far. Oh hell yeah! It is worth noting that Ginny in the films is exactly as much of a presence as she is in the books. That is to say, an absolute non-presence. Yeah. Now, 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 hang on. Okay, sorry. This is probably going to begin a very long, arduous journey on me and my 
it's 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 like me and Faramir. It's it's book Jenny and movie Jenny are not the same people, Certainly and it makes not. me so upset. And you know, granted, Chamber of Secrets book Jenny and movie Jenny are very similar because you're not really supposed to see a lot of her because then you kind of get this you know this like thing in your mind that's like hmm, we should pay more attention to jenny because right. she's you know suddenly around a lot more what's going on with you that? see her but, just enough to be like yeah she's i get it it's her first year of school yeah so the, you know chamber of secrets isn't a good example but definitely later on like especially in goblet of fire and and, and later on she's a lot more confident once she kind of like gets over this little crush that she has on harry and she's a lot less self-conscious and more self-confident and I, I love it and uh hate what they did with her in the in the book i Dude, mean in the movies bonnie Wright and daniel radcliffe have no fucking chemistry dude. i know I from know. the beginning well, i don't the first second the way the way that he the first second he touches her in the chamber of secrets she's dying and he takes like two fingers and like pokes the top of her hand it's like the least <laughs> the least okay, but flirtatious no, no, like no, no, least no, no, no. sexual way to no, approach no, no, no. a person that's because okay one one they are 12 and 11 years old they're not supposed to be flirting they're not supposed <laughs> he touches to be having Finch some kind Fletchley of a lot more intimately that, that was <laughs> that was something that made me mad so he's he like, like it caresses his finger <laughs> It, it wasn't me, I swear. And then he stays there and like play and does like um for, for anyone who watched a uh, Rocket Power, he does like the <laughs> wiggity 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 <laughs> with with Justin's hand, cold dead hand, and then is surprised when McGonagall shows up and is like, "This is out of my hands, Potter." <laughs> wow, nice. What a clean. Mm. Yeah. So Rupert Grint. As we've mentioned before, he does some work in this. Maybe at times a little too much work. Yeah, I, was, no, I, was, I love it. Some overacting. I was going to say earlier, you said that every uh, child actor in this underacts, but I, I think Rupert Grint's the one that really went out there. They were like, "All right, Rupert, you're going to hold up your wand that's now broken. And you're going to look to camera and you'll be like." <laughs> Oh no! And Rupert goes, "Okay, I can do that." And looks with the most over-exaggerated look of just pure terror at what has happened. I mean, God. some of those some of those glances he gives have more emotion in them than like Daniel Radcliffe has in his whole body. His, it's the, <laughs> the facialist, but he's so good. His face is so like squishy. He can do like so mm. many things with it. When he's like afraid. And he does his like scared face. He's like, oh, I couldn't be so flush. The movie continues to do Ron a disservice in a variety of ways. They make him stupid in the movies. In the books, he's not stupid. He's just a little annoying. But in the movies, they make him full stupid. Here's an example: when they, well, it was his idea to drive the Ford Anglia to school. That's fine. That's stupid. <laughs> But when they get to school, in the books, his wand breaks in the process of their car crash. But in the movies, they have him, like, slamming it against the yeah. steering wheel. And then it snaps. And it's like, yeah, bro. Like, that's mm -hmm. what is going to happen. It just makes... And then he's like... And then it that puts the responsibility of that on him instead of, like, a kind of circumstantial thing that makes us feel bad for him in the books. It's his fault they're in the car, but it's 
<laughs> I see what you mean. Also, how about that car suddenly becoming sentient? I it's like it. I, yeah. I'm sick of people driving me around. I drive people around now, <laughs> and it just like suddenly has free will, and I do love that for the car. Okay. How about that car becoming the single best character in the entire movie? <laughs> <laughs> the Ford Anglia is a free elf. <laughs> Definitely yeah, we, my favorite character. <laughs> we discussed during our uh, watching with our fans on Discord that we want kind of an offshoot now that is purely the adventures of Fang and Ford. Oh, so yeah, just because- like the spring that Fang and the Ford Anglia spent just tutoring around all the Forbidden Forest. Yeah, it. there's a continuity error where they take Fang with them into the forest and he gets in the car with them. But then when they get out of the car, we don't see him get out of the car. So uh, it's like the Ford Anglia just took him. Yeah. <laughs> they're just no. chilling, man. They're, no, no. they're having their own adventures. Cut to, uh, uh, they're like, where's Fang? And then just cut to him in the forest with his paws on the wheel, just driving <laughs> it. That but, big mastiff face. Just like, <laughs> but the Ford Anglia is driving. He's just letting Fang think <laughs> that he's driving. Oh, that's nice. I like that. Wait, I looked up this dog actor. Hold on. I think I was drunk don't, when you were doing I don't, this. I don't <laughs> Do you think know. you were drunk when you looked up the dog actor? No way. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't know if I want to hear you talk about it because surely the dog is no longer alive. The dog is and I don't want to hear that. I don't want to okay, hear that. It's fine, okay. dude. I just this just is what, lie to me and no, tell I, me that he's still alive. He's totally still alive. His name is Hugo. That's all I remember. That's what I looked up. I was Aww. like, what's that dog's name? He's a good boy. Mm-hmm. Um, his name is Hugo, and he's a great actor. Wait, speaking um, of animals, can we talk about Hermione as a cat? <laughs> yeah, man. How'd you like that CG? <laughs> was it, I looked practical to me. Really? I thought yeah. that was a practical effect. Oh, it's good to me. Yeah, it looked look really very. Oh, shit. It didn't look. Yeah, it like, didn't stand out to me as like, oh, this is bad. I'm I sure don't... it was a mixture of them doing makeup and prosthetics and CGI. I don't yeah. have any education or training in this kind of stuff, except for that I'm really good at wig spotting. That's like my superpower. <laughs> but this is a little beyond me. Hermione, cat. Okay, while Christina's looking that <laughs> up, that's you just bringing up wigs, this is completely unrelated, but I just need to get it out there into the ether because it annoys me. There are all these kids on TikTok making fun of um, the Hamilton professional shot on Disney Plus um, because you can see the wig line on the characters and all the actors and they're like, oh, no one knows how to put wigs on these people, blah, blah. blah. And I'm like, no, that's because that's theater and they don't put wigs on the same way that you would for a movie because it's far away and they need to be able to take wigs on and off easily a lot of times. And then they're also being like, what's that little thing that's sticking down on their forehead? That's like, oh, the costume people made a mistake. And I'm like, that's their microphone. Literally shut up and just go away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back to Hermione as a cat, which is a a sentence I say every, every day. Um, I feel like no one talks about Hermione as a cat. I feel like no one remembers Hermione as a cat. And I just, I, and I admittedly also, but then I was like, oh my God, right. Hermione turns into a cat and like, can't turn back into her human self. 
She like has to go to the hospital wing. She looks frightening. Like she also looks fucked up. It sounds it reads really cutely in the books, but when you see it in real life, you're like, yo, that's fucked it's up. It's terrifying. Yeah. Also, I do think cats, the movie cats, should have taken a note <laughs> from this and done a little bit more of Hermione as a cat. <laughs> Wait, I have a note. I have a note somewhere. Oh shit. Oh, oh man, I didn't write it down, but someone in our Discord chat definitely said Jellico Hermione. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. By the way, uh, Caitlin, I, I really hate to disagree with you here, but I think there is a there are a lot of people who vividly remember Hermione as a cat because I'm willing to bet there is a direct correlation in the rise of, fur- of furries with the. You almost said furries. Oh, I almost said furries. But with the rise of furries with uh, people seeing Hermione. And having an awakening at a young age and being like, this is what I like. I just can't. She looks, she looks so fucked up in that <laughs> She scene. looks so bad. I can't with that. Um, and she's 12. Like, let's not forget that either. But. Right. In the, in the book, do they give an explanation for how she, like, makes an excuse to, um, not Madame Pence, but Madame Pomfrey, Pomfrey for, like, how so, this came to be? The thing is that Madame Pomfrey just doesn't ask questions. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's kind of it's never explicitly stated, but Madame Pomfrey does not ask questions, which is probably a good that. thing when you have a school full of wizards because they're going to be doing just stupid shit. Yeah, we joked about this during one of the chapter episodes, but it's probably deadly serious that when she got the job, Dumbledore was like, "These children need to be able to come to you with anything because otherwise they're going to be giving themselves like like." third balls and stuff like that and like they they like need to know they can come to you and you're just gonna fix it and it's gonna be okay have you ever seen what I happens like when a whole school gets magical chlamydia you don't want to see what happens <laughs> when a whole school gets magical chlamydia oh madame pomfrey is like such the underrated hero of this series oh, she does what? so much it's like the only safe space in hogwarts yes. yeah that's in true. a very real way <laughs> Yeah, well, she doesn't, in the book, she doesn't let visitors come visit these petrified people because she's afraid they're going to come finish them off. She's basically just pretty badass. Mm -hmm. Let's be fair. Like, I get it might help you emotionally to visit your friend that's been petrified, but you're definitely not helping your friend that's been petrified to visit your friend that's been petrified. Whoa, you're full of shit. They find the answer when they go visit their friend that's been petrified. So they find the answer, but that didn't help her get unpetrified any quicker. Oh, well, I guess that's true. <laughs> do you want to? Do you want to tell that to people who have loved ones in comas? I know, no, we talked about I this. Said, I said, I, I need to listen to the saying, podcast that you're on. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> by saying I know that it might emotionally help the person visiting, but okay. So let me review some more of my notes. Madam Pince, the library in the books. The name of this podcast is the restricted section. In the books, they have to go into the restricted section mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to get a the, lot, right? To get the polyjuice potion recipe in this book specifically, mm-hmm. and they don't. She just grabs that shit off the shelf mm-hmm. in the movie. They don't go into the restricted section at all. That is restricted section erasure. Yes. <laughs> Why would they put these potions the in the regular ass section? No group of people has ever experienced as much erasure as we, the restricted (laughs) section. (laughs) Um, It just made me mad, okay? She just pulled it right off the shelf. 
Do we want to talk about the intense pod racing Quidditch scene? No. (laughs) I do like how, though, um, in the last, like, the last movie, we have this intense moment at the Quidditch match and Hermione saves the day. And then when something's going wrong this time, Ron's like, I'll do it. And she's like, no, even with the proper wand, it would be hot or whatever. And then also in the background, Rupert Grint's face when Hermione's like, even with a functioning wand, you wouldn't be able to do it. And his face looks so like disappointed. <laughs> He's just so funny. Why is he so ready? That wand's been broken for a hot minute, bro. <laughs> I, I do have to admit, like, secret time here, when I was a young lad, I absolutely adored the Quidditch scenes, and I thought they were incredible, and I was wrong. I will admit wait, that now. Wait, wait, wait. Like, I, I think that this particular Quidditch scene between Draco and Harry is very fun. It's, like, very fun to watch. It vividly reminded me seriously of the pod racing in Star Wars Episode One, which is a film that I enjoy. <laughs> and wow, it's, no, 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 I know. Hot take, whatever. <laughs> I don't give a shit. It's weird that like they go, they're like flying around, and then they go into this like weird, like hallway type, like underground. It's like the scaffolding. Yeah, they spend like half the game there, and then for. Some unexplainable reason Colin Creevy is somehow down there yeah, taking what the a fuck? also what right. pictures what pictures does he think he's getting where he's down that he can't even see the maybe he's just like trying to be like an artsy Instagrammer, you know? <laughs> and it's like trying to get like weird angles or whatever, but he, he, the, until Draco and Harry fly down into that part, he has zero good pictures of this Quidditch match, you know? Sir, do you have a media pass? What are you doing <laughs> down here? Sir, do you realize how sketchy it is that you're taking seats, pictures underneath the bleachers of an event that takes <laughs> yeah. place in the air? This uh, is not okay. I need you to return to your seat, sir. Right, they are like under the bleachers. So we're all like the teens making out because isn't that where teens go to kiss on each other? Well, there's plenty of empty classrooms, which is where Percy and Penelope are making out (laughs) in the books. Plus, Caitlin, why would you go and neck your lover at the Quidditch match when you can go lay by the lake? Why would you say that? Why would you say neck your lover? Why would you say that to me? For that reaction, that's why. <laughs> oh my god, okay, Grandpa. Um, so, did the... Now, you can't tell me that the Quidditch was practical effects. How how did those effects hold up? Do they think? those children on very, very <laughs> fast-moving pieces of wood. It was uh, fine. Uh, I don't know. I didn't... Yeah. I, I'm, I'm okay with the effects that are, like, when they're in movement... It's yeah, it's just a lot more forgiving. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I don't, you know, again, I don't mind. It'd be interesting to see what my brain would do if it was, you know, like I'm doing with the Lord of the Rings movies, where this is the first time I'm watching it in 2020. You know, yeah, if that's I would, true. If I would look at the Quidditch scenes and be like, "Oh, that's terrible. Why did people watch these movies for 10 years?" Yeah, I remember that there's a Quidditch scene in the Sorcerer's Stone that is really bad to me, but I think that's kind of like a lighting issue where it was like the sky behind him the whole time is like a glaringly sunny sky. And then his face is like overcast the whole time. And I'm like, this makes no fucking sense. So I think that the movement really helps that you're right. I think that's also why they did a lot of the chase scene underneath the bleachers. Ooh, good point. So they just can have no direct light. 
yeah, they, they could blur things a lot easier. So instead of like having different colored, like, you know, towers and fields and stuff, it was all just wood that you got to blur. It, it, I think yeah. it was a, probably ended up being a cost thing. It's because I don't even think in the book they have like an extent. I know they have an extended chasing, but I don't think it goes through the bleachers. I could be wrong, but I don't It doesn't go that. through the bleachers. He just, he, what happens is, I don't think there even is a chase scene, really. Maybe just like a minute, but he sees yeah. the snitch hovering behind Draco's ear and like dives at it. Draco yeah. maybe is like behind him, but he catches it right away. So, I wrote just like how do the graphics hold up? Here's some other graphics. Graphics time. Computer graphics. I don't know what I'm talking about. How did it hold up? Um, the polyjuice potion. When he's transforming in the mirror, and apparently in no pain or discomfort at all, I feel like that held up pretty well. They did a pr- for for two thousand two. That worked for me. Yeah, I think the bubbles help again to distract you. Mm-hmm. Like a bubbling face. I did miss in the books. They're like screaming in agony and like writhing on the floor. I'm like that seems right. more appropriate for what is happening here. I think um I think you got the understanding that it's a very uncomfortable process cuz all of them are like I'm going to be sick. I'm going to vomit. Yeah. <laughs> so As far as effects go, what about Harry's arm? That's the grossest unfortunately oh. well produced yeah. effect. That's got to be a practical effect right? <laughs> cuz it was so like also visceral. This- yeah. <laughs> the sound yeah, editing uh, that they I, use it, for that too. It's, it's like, like macaroni fluid. stirring. It's like <laughs> <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> it's so bad. Good. It's like you are a soup inside right now. <laughs> um so sorry for that. <laughs> uh I wanna talk about um I think it's a mixture of graphic and then like practical effect animatronic, whatever. Um I'm a fox stan. I love Fox, <laughs> Fox News, the F A W K E S, Fox News, F O X can go fuck itself. Um, <laughs> can go Fox itself. But fo- like literally every time Fox is on screen, and then the mute, the music that they, I texted in, in Discord that I could like just make myself cry just by listening to his theme alone. Like if you just sat, if you just shut me in a room and just played his theme. I would be crying instantly because it's so beautiful. But um, <laughs> oh yeah, uh, you you like didn't come to the whole chat except you popped in to be like, oh yeah, Fox's theme music makes me cry. Anyway, I'm out. Yeah, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> you guys, I think you guys were like around that point or about to be or something, and I was like, oh, I love Fox. Anyway, I was pretty drunk um, at that point. I was like, Mary Clay, we're at the climax. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's a moment where it's when Harry, I think, is talking to Jenny, and it's like, get yourself out straight away which first of all there's no more danger in the chamber you know it doesn't have right. to be so so urgent he's worried he's, like, he's get out dying maybe no no well there's no he's acting as if like another basilisk is about to come out and eat them he's like jenny get out of here save yourself but there's mm-hmm. nothing else mm-hmm. for to be saved <laughs> from okay anyway during that part um you can see like fox is like blinking and moving his head and it like just occurs to me that i was like oh that was like the animatronic people sitting mm-hmm. like behind the screen being like we're gonna show him moving so that like you can see that it's a very like practical effect thing um but yeah. i was like really staring intently at him and i'm like these freaking movie designer people got me thinking that like i could just walk outside and see a bird exactly <laughs> like fox because it looks so realistic it looks really real i don't think they could have done like the puppetry 
angle with an animal that wasn't a bird because birds are like kind of have dead faces you know what i'm saying <laughs> so like harry's dying and fox is just kind of like watching with like mild curiosity so i think it really worked so um, the question is what isn't the the venom from the basilisk still coursing through harry's blood like Great question. Because, because the the tears uh, seal up his like puncture wound, but what about all the venom that's still seal it inside? I think it just like, yeah. <laughs> seeps into his skin. Maybe I don't know. Magic is magic. It's just, magic. Yeah, it's just magic. I just need to suspend my disbelief a little yeah. bit more. Which yeah. also Harry's line then is like, oh, that's right. Well, no. First, he has the most ridiculously okay with death line a twelve year old's ever had, which is like, looks like it's the end for me, Fox. No, okay. <laughs> oh I'm well. Now. Um, I like. I really didn't understand watching this for like the however you know many times I watched it. I didn't get it that the basilisk was venomous, and that like oh because the tooth. Um, like, like hit him and he pulls out, he has this wound that like, he's dying. I just thought like, oh, he just has this, it's just a flesh wound, you know? (laughs) Uh, So like, I don't, did they like, do they mention at all in the movie that the basilisk has venom as well? Tom Riddle says it. Yeah. Tom Riddle's like, the venom must be really causing through your veins now, Harry. (laughs) Yeah, that's right. That's right. Exposition, you're dying. Yes. (laughs) I stand, I stand corrected. <laughs> well, and then when Harry remembers that, like, he's not dying, he realizes that because of the tears, it's not like, oh my god, that's right! And he's like, oh, oh that's yeah. right. Oh, Dumbledore Phoenix tears have the power to heal. <laughs> he's a really bad actor. Daniel Radcliffe, <laughs> the adult, I would say is a, is a very good actor. Mm. Um, but yeah. he also takes quirky roles where the characters have a lot of personality. Daniel Radcliffe as Harry Potter is bad until... He takes Molly, I mean, Felix Felicis in book six, and gets a personality for 20 minutes. That's how Daniel Radcliffe shines. Oh, my God. He's incredibly good. And everything else I've seen him in, I've loved it. Harry Potter is a Mary Sue. Isn't there a word for dude-sues? Oh, Gary Sue, I think, is one of them. (laughs) Yeah, but it's just, like, weird because he's, he's actually not good at anything, though. (laughs) <laughs> he has a hell of an expelliarmus. It he, can do everything. He it can knock out. It can blow up. It can do de- okay. Like, so his whatever one, he needs. His one move is expelliarmus, and then that leads me really nicely to my final note on my list of notes, which is the sword of Gryffindor. I take a lot of issue with the sword of Gryffindor because that is a hobbit sword. A grown man holding that sword would look ridiculous it's oh. so small and so it looks like it's made out of plastic can i lay some hot no prize action on you christina sure you always do it's a magical sword it will change to fit the wielder i don't buy oh. it if it was i know what i buy it i, buy I want it. the sword of gryffindor to be like badass maybe when, when you call it through the uh uh the sorting hat and the sword of Godric get Gryffindor made by the goblins themselves with all the magic therein, that sword can extend on its own. That's why in the seventh book, it, or in the seventh movie, it is not short anymore. It is a full-sized sword. Oh, yeah. I forgot it comes back while well, I look forward mm. to investigating. Boom, no prize. 
Mm. I had right. a little like pain in my chest when when Ga- Gandalf. <laughs> <laughs> Gandalf's better anyway. How dare you? That wasn't even intentional. Oh I was Gandalf for Halloween, bro. He's always <laughs> been my favorite. I don't yeah, like. No, you were Gandalf. <laughs> I was Gandalf the gay. God damn it! Ruined my pun. <laughs> oh, when Dumbledore is telling Harry, he's like. You must have shown me real loyalty down in the chambers. Only, like, only the truest, you know, sign of loyalty and bravery could have called Fox to you and, and the sword to you. And I had a little pang in my chest remembering that that Neville does the same thing. He has the same moment in Deathly Hallows. And I was like, oh, oh Neville, you're going to come so far, little boy. Just oh wait. God, Neville. <laughs> All he does in this movie is get hung up by his cloak. Oh, and then he says, why is it always me? And it's like, wow, a self-awareness in in the movies. Because you're the chosen one, Neville. (laughs) Um, I believe, Matthew, there is like some panel where all of the cast were asked what was their favorite line from all of the movies for their character. And Matthew Lewis picked um, that one for for Neville. (laughs) Out of the whole series, that's cute. Because, yeah, he was like, I think it was like, you know, pretty all-encompassing for Neville's character. (laughs) So, uh... Okay, I would like to move on to my problems with the Sword of Gryffindor Part 2. Oh my god, I thought <laughs> we were- <laughs> During the scene where Dumbledore and Harry are in Dumbledore's office explaining themselves as every end of every Harry Potter story goes, the entire time that Lucius is there, like, like Harry is holding the sword by its blade the entire time. He grabs it by the blade. He grabs it by the bloody, bloody blade. Hang on. No, 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 no. I'm pretty sure I literally almost said Gandalf again. Holy shit. Mary Clay, there's more than one fandom. Dumbledore. 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 So anyway, I'm pretty sure Gandalf tells him. (laughs) I'm pretty sure Dumbledore says, like, it's like an aside of like, oh, careful. So he does, he does tell him to be careful. Um, and then he grabs him by a fucking blade because he has to be able to read it to see that. No, it's he can t- He's standing there. He's standing there holding it, Whatever. just watching the grown-ups talk by the blade. You know what? I'm going to chalk that up once more to Daniel Radcliffe being a 12-year-old <laughs> and experienced actor. And he's like, you know what? I'm sure Richard, ha- which side note, this is our last, you know, I film know. with Richard Harris as Dumbledore. Yeah. And Michael Gambon will never live up to this Dumbledore I'm for sorry, me. sorry, buddy. You would have been he a good Gambon. It was a, yes, Michael Gambon was miscast as yeah. Dumbledore there. I said it. No, I'm, I'm with you. He was miscast, uh, and then he's on record saying that he never read any of the books, and he never, like, fully read the script. He was gonna he say no! Him, like, what he needed to do. Yeah, so, he just, he didn't give a shit, dude. Um, so, yeah, Richard Harris, love him, rest in peace. If he had read the books, he never would have choked Harry out about the goblet of fucking <laughs> fire. Um, the whole fandom is triggered! Yeah. <laughs> no, so, I think, I think Harry standing there the entire time is, like, they the producers were like, oh, Harry, you grab the sword, blah, and then Lucius comes in, okay, now we're gonna, and Daniel Radcliffe was never, as the directors are focusing on um, Jason Isaacs and Richard Harris in that scene, they don't notice that Harry's still holding the, the sword, and Daniel Radcliffe just never spoke up and was never like, um, hey, should I still be holding the sword at yeah. this moment? Should I put it down? Like, I what think, should I do here? I think da- Daniel Radcliffe always and sometimes Emma and Rupert, but Daniel Radcliffe always is being like, yeah, under directed and like misdirected. I think he's just like, 
is just going along with everything and just doesn't like question Harry, it. Yeah. yeah. That's it's exactly like Harry. I know we've been talking forever and we're probably gonna like finish up soon, but I would be I would hate myself if we didn't talk about the howler scene. Okay. Because once again, this was a scene that lives in infamy in my brain, and it was another thing that like we would quote all the time in my family growing up, just Ronald Weasley, how dare you steal that car? Your father and I are disgusted. It's so good. I've been thinking about doing um a dramatic reading where I put the microphone like 15 feet away from my mouth and I just start <laughs> screaming. Oh, <laughs> I think it would be a lot of fun. <laughs> Bonus uh, episode, just me screaming my brains out. It's just so good. It's very good. Um. Okay. So... Do we, does anyone else have anything else they would like to talk about about the movie? Because I've kind of gotten to the end of my notes here. I have a few very quick, I'll do a, a lightning round. Please go right ahead. <laughs> Thanks. Um, okay. Most of the spells that we hear that any, any of the wizards and witches and everyone do are like some kind of latin or they're in they like seem like latin based you know it's like something fancy and then ron says eat slugs and that's a spell and it's a real <laughs> spell that works and and it it's a spell and it's like what where where is it the latin why does why is that a spell that might have um, been one that like maybe his brothers invented or something yeah <laughs> you can, you can like invent spells oh because um because oh. fred and george you know given that they go on to form uh, you know, to to build this prank empire, I can right. imagine that they like sat around inventing like pranking spells, and well, they came up with eat slugs. And when we first meet Ron in the Sorcerer's Stone, he's trying to do that sunshine daisies butter yellow mellow mellow stupid stupid yeah, yeah. Rat yellow. So like I. If if they're already inventing spells, then I mean that makes sense that they're like, oh, here's one fucking turn your rat yellow. Or maybe ahead. they did it on him as an exp- they're like, you're gonna be our guinea pig, Ron. <laughs> <laughs> maybe this Eat isn't slugs. the first time that Ron's belch slugs. <laughs> oh, poor Ron. Uh, okay, that makes sense. I forgot. I didn't. It didn't occur to me that you could sort of like invent or create new spells. I, I like that. I like that. <sighs> okay, the basilisk. I have to just say a few words about this. First okay. of all, it is enormous um, because yes. whenever everyone's talking about how like, oh, there's a, there's a monster on the loose. And then like Harry will hear the basilisk talk, which what the basilisk says is very funny. It's always just like blood, blood. Let me vote you. Kill, kill, you, kill, so, uh, kill, kill. Caitlin, when uh, I shared this during one of our chapter discussions, but um, as a child, I would go around the house. Ha- I would just like walk around in my daily life going like, let me rip you. Let me tear you. Kill. Kill. I would not have babysat you. <laughs> like, oh, hey, Ashley, you coming to babysit us tonight? Okay, cool. Sias. So. <laughs> Incredible. Does it pass the Bechdel test? test if a basilisk 
and screams, uh, let me rip, let me, t- time to kill, kill, kill. <laughs> and Harry listens to it. Does that, does that pass the basilisk test? The best, best, He never so. answers. <laughs> right. He never, Harry never talks. They don't have a conversation. They don't have a conversation. <laughs> also, the basilisk isn't named, you know, at least that we know Ooh, of, you know. I was, I was wondering, like, I wonder if at any of those points when Harry heard the basilisk in the walls, if he had started talking back, could he have done anything? Like, you know what I'm it to do something. Yeah, if he's like, hey, buddy, what's up? You in the wall there? What's going on? <laughs> well, that brings me to my other note where, okay, so he's like, the, the, the snake is like talking and Harry's like, what? Something's about to die. And then he immediately comes upon the petrified person. This happens like three times in the movie where he hears the just voice. Just walk away immediately. Instead of <laughs> well, it makes me want, like, okay, so we, and then we, so because of all that, we think, okay, this snake or whatever it is, it must be kind of small. It must be able to move around very stealthily. It must, like you human know, size. Right. Or like, around. yeah, like regular <laughs> snake size. And then you see it and it's the size of a dinosaur, but like, you can't, uh, that snake I don't could have just like, disappeared back into the pipes in a split second like that. It's that the size a- of one of the fucking sandworms from Dune, dude. It's like a, <laughs> it's a leviathan. It makes no fucking sense. And any explanation, my brain is like, well, if they're by the bathroom, maybe the they looked into the bathroom and saw it coming out of the chamber. But like, no, that doesn't, they wouldn't, mm-hmm. it just doesn't no, track. There's no explanation. Well, it, it gets even more confusing and impossible and improbable when you realize that also uh, she who will not be named has gone on record as saying that like toilets only came to Hogwarts in the 17 or 1800s, which means that like they were installing this entire plumbing system for a magical castle that still needs plumbing for some reason. And uh, they just decided, like, well, we found this void in the middle of the school that we're just going to go ahead and lead some pipes into. We figure it's nothing important. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. We're just going to sink about a 30 foot. We're going extra wide, too. Like, at least an I eight think, foot wide, 30 foot long pipe. I think it's a natural cavern okay. under the lake. We've talked at length about the bathroom situation at Hogwarts. So I'm going to pump the brakes on that one. <laughs> <laughs> um. Definitely the basilisk getting around the school. There's no... I just idea. don't see how it could have gotten around so un- undetected. Oh, there's that critter in Fantastic Beasts, um, which, like, I enjoyed the first movie. Like, it was fun to watch. And there's that one critter that, like, occupies the space that mm-hmm. it's given. That would be a good basilisk solution. Hmm. Yeah. Because it could be massive in the chamber, but tiny in the pipes. So move around, yeah. Did you um, ever read the Fantastic Beasts? No, uh, like not, not yeah, the I screenplay, but like the actual like book that they put out. The yeah, we'll cover one. it at some point. The textbook. The Leatherfold gave me nightmares. That was oh. the most creepy. Sorry, it was completely off topic. <laughs> I'll stop now. But okay, well, that's uh, a that's a teaser for whenever we fucking cover that book. Like eight years from now or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also, the movie, I like just kind of thought about it when they are talking. They're like, talking to snakes is the sign of the dark arts. And I'm like, poor snakes. Because there are a lot of like, I mean, I'm not, cute I'm not snakes. one of those, I'm not one of those crazy people who's going to be like, I have a pet snake. Isn't he so cute? Like, props to people who, who have like cute little, like, cor- what are they, corn snakes? Isn't that one? Cornfield snakes and they're like little baby ones. Sure. Um, 
I know nothing about snakes, clearly, but like poor snakes <laughs> in the Wizarding World, they get such a bad rap, and that's that's it's like the Wizarding World equivalent of like pit bulls. Oh like, yeah! Oh my god! No dog yeah. is better, honestly, to me than a pit bull. I yeah. So like, they're all. I would if I was a Wizarding student, I would five hundred percent be like, I want to. What do you mean? Are you telling me there's a language where you can talk to animals? I yeah, want to learn cool. that. Are you kidding? Eliza me? Thornberry shit. Yeah, like, and then it's like, oh no, it's actually just for snakes. And then it's like, well, still, you could talk to an animal. I think that's pretty cool. Yeah. The only Ravenclaw dog I've ever met in my life was uh, a pit bull. Just putting that out there. Ravenclaw dog. Yeah, yeah, he's a good boy. (laughs) (laughs) His name's Rhett Butler. (laughs) He's a good, good boy. (laughs) Anything else about Chamber of Secrets, gang? It's a movie. It's <laughs> a movie. Bad child acting, good grown up acting, fun to watch. A lot of uh, tech, like uh, like physical loopholes. Um, uh, what's what's the word I'm looking for? Um, not loopholes, but physical. A plot hole. Or yeah, a plot hole. <laughs> I got yeah. that. I went too far <laughs> to loophole. Um, just a lot of things that don't add up, but great to watch. Just I had a, I found myself cracking up laughing kind of the whole time. But mo- it was mostly because of the juxtaposition to the like very of the very dire situation against the very bad acting, <laughs> and so like it's like Harry Potter has the weight of the world on his shoulders and he can't even deliver a line in a convincing way. You know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> so I was laughing my ass off. I was having a really good time watching this. It, I think, the next movie is when it starts to get real like grown and complicated um and like i think the writing becomes good in a sort of adult kind of way whereas these first two movies are just like fun to watch fun adventures almost mm-hmm. standalone you know well and they go they take such a i think part of the reason that i love the third movie so much is because they go from christopher columbus who's the ultimate like happy-go-lucky kids are having home fun alone. home alone yeah yeah so what's his name alfonso uh Huron. yeah and it's like no you're 13 now the world's dark and intense enjoy yeah we I- wear hoodies now okay yeah. <laughs> look i i am i'm so excited to do and i'm putting this on the podcast so that now christina will be obligated to have me on for the Prisoner of Azkaban movie episode <laughs> because that is my favorite of the movies. It's so good and it's because so, I've never seen someone quite nail the vibe of the books. Like the vibe of Prisoner of Azkaban movie mm-hmm. for me is the vibe of the books. Yeah, it's, it's like very on. whimsical. It's um uh, kind you know some things are kind of abstract. It's very there are a lot of like little humorous wizarding moments. But it's a great it's a great a like job. um it's a great like intellectual and existential step up from these first two books. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's mature without being heavy the way that maybe the order of the phoenix is i mm-hmm. fucking hate that one dude yeah. i'm a, i'm a hufflepuff you know like i don't, I like don't to watch have to come on scary for that movies like i don't i just like things that end nicely i like <laughs> i like to it doesn't have to be a happy ending but it has to be like a satisfying ending and like uh man the the order of the phoenix just really like rips my heart out like over and over again anyway that we'll cover that in maybe three years Well, are y'all ready to move on to some plugs? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Andrew, will you start us off? 
Absolutely. Um, I'm going to plug, it's actually a YouTube show called Some More News with Cody Johnston, and it is absolutely yeah. fantastic. Was he on um, Behind the Bastards? Yeah, he's on that. He's on Worst Year Ever, which mm-hmm. I think, I could be wrong here, but doesn't Sophie also produce your podcast, Caitlin? She sure does. Uh-huh. I knew it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, like I said, that's where I heard of him was from Behind the Bastards and uh, Worst Year Ever. And then I started, I went to YouTube and I started watching some more news and it's absolutely amazing. And uh, I think it's really important for anyone who was stressing out about the election uh, to make sure that you don't let off the gas necessarily. Um, we're going into a time where all of us are going to be very happy with any progress. And especially if you consider yourself to be a progressive, now is not the time to start letting your party do things that you don't agree with. So, you know, it's good to make sure that you're not just getting straight happy go lucky. We're not in Trump anymore news. So I uh, definitely recommend for a comical, but very in-depth and incredibly detailed reporting style, check out some more news. Arousing pep talk from our dear friend, Andrew. <laughs> Mary Clay. Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at MCWhatsApp and Instagram at MCTurnDownForWhat. And you can listen to my podcast. That's what I'm talking about. And I'm pretty sure that uh, this episode and then the episode that we recorded together, Caitlin, will be coming out in the same week. So that means, it came, that means it came out yesterday. Yes. <laughs> I was like, I was like, oh, no, it didn't come out yesterday because I haven't edited it yet. <laughs> Anyways, yeah. So listeners, as you're as you're listening, I had um, Jamie and Caitlin from Beckville cast on to talk about um, some portion of two towers that I can't remember right now because it's all in the middle to me. It's somewhere in two towers. We mm-hmm. talked about about the movie. So uh, go go listen to that. I truthfully haven't been consuming any new media at all because my life has been uh, taken over by Lord of the Rings. Um, you can tell. You can't even get the name Dumbledore out. <laughs> um, however, I will, I'm pretty sure I've plugged it before, but whatever. Great British Bake Off baking show. They have a, uh, the new season is, um, the, like, new episode comes on Netflix each week and it's just so, because I, it, it has me feeling weirdly nostalgic for the beginning of quarantine when everyone was making bread. That was when I like got really into my Great British Bake Off binging, and then now there are like these new episodes out, and I've like made a routine of it where I save it until Saturday morning, and then I sit in bed and have a cup of coffee while I watch the new episode. It's just so enjoyable and pleasant. So I will always recommend Great British Bake Off. That's, that's delightful <laughs> that's definitely the vibe we need right now Caitlin, mm-hmm. yeah. what do you have to plug well you can follow me on twitter at Caitlin Durante that is also where you can follow me on instagram and instagram is where I do a weekly um, like instagram live show called movie talk with Caitlin it's me and a guest just talking about movies incredible um, and then I host a podcast with Jamie Loftus called the Bechtel cast in which we take a different movie every week and analyze it through an intersectional feminist lens using like the 
the Bechdel test just as a jumping off point um, to, to initiate a larger conversation. And um, the thing that I would recommend, uh, I mentioned it a couple times earlier in this episode, but uh, I love Paddington and Paddington 2. Um, <laughs> so if you like Harry Potter, if you like British things, mm-hmm. you'll love <laughs> Paddington. They're amazing movies. And um, I would also recommend the show Mythic Quest. So if, for, you know, fantasy heads out there. It's like a workplace comedy TV series about people who work on a fantasy video game. And it's really fun. It's on Apple TV plus. Uh, So those are my recs at this time. Oh yeah. I've been your host, Christina. You can follow me on Instagram at your girl of the world. You can follow me on Twitter at Tina Fontina. And this week I'm going to plug a movie I watched recently with my dad ghost. (laughs) Sorry, Have you ever seen it? <laughs> no, no, no. I've seen it a lot, but I watched okay. it recently with my dad. Okay. <laughs> uh, my dad and I, for some reason, always end up... He's one of those dads who expresses his love through movies, you know what I mean? Um, sure. And I just find myself... I've watched Titanic with him probably 15 times and never... <gasps> what? I don't think ever with anyone else. This is so funny that you're watching these, like... like like back love stories <laughs> yeah with yeah. your dad no we just like bond over them so <laughs> i recently watched ghost with my dad starring patrick swayze demi moore Whoopi goldberg really all of them at their best if you ask me it's just a great movie i had a great time if you want something that, that's um somehow lighthearted, even though there's a murder involved <laughs> i recommend it <laughs> i recommend it it's a great movie it is well, guys, thanks for coming on and chatting about the Chamber of Secrets movie with me. Movie. Um, is that a, does Austin Powers say movie? Why did... <laughs> just he happens. does now, baby. <laughs> yeah. He says groovy, right? Yeah, that's that's movie. what it was. I'm a fucking idiot. Just <laughs> listen to me. <laughs> thanks for coming on. I had a very good time. Kaylin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank thanks, you so much Kaylin. for having me. What a treat. We had a lot of fun, and now we are getting ready to run headfirst into The Prisoner of Azkaban. But first, next week, y'all are going to get a very special bonus episode, something that we previously released on our Patreon account, so get ready for that. That's a a little treat for y'all. A little pumpkin pasty, if you will. And then the next week, we'll be back, yeah, with the first chapter of The Prisoner of Azkaban. I'm super, super stoked. I love that book, so... Thanks for listening, gang. And until next time, get out of my DVD player. <laughs> my Bye, interest, everyone. My interests and my exits are terrible. They are. They are. <laughs> it's endearing, but they are. The Restricted Section was created by me, Christina Kahn, based on the book series by J.K. Rowling. Theme music by Ryan Kahn. Logo by Michael Hardison. Be sure to like our Facebook page, The Restricted Section Podcast, join our Facebook group, The Restricted Section Detention Crew, follow us on Instagram at Restricted Section Pod, and on Twitter at Restricted Pod. If you want to join our Discord server, shoot a message to one of our socials and I'll get you connected. You can also email us at restrictedsectionpod at gmail.com with thoughts, feelings, complaints, or even lavish praise. Until next time, potheads. Hello, Clarice. Hi.